Hello, this is Dr. Piper Gibson, and today we'll be mapping ticks and Tourette's on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important, not only because it invites us to stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care, recommendations, and outcomes. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be talking with Dr. Piper Gibson. Dr. Gibson is a doctor of advanced holistic nutrition, board certified doctor of natural medicine, and is also a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. Dr. Gibson is a children's holistic health expert specializing in children's neurodevelopmental disorders such as ADHD, tics, Tourette's, anxiety, SPD, and ASD. After navigating her son through a neurological tick diagnosis, Dr. Gibson now dedicates her practice to helping families just like hers. She uses a natural, integrative approach to help her clients finally focus, function, and flourish. Piper, welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be joining you today. That makes me so happy to hear that you're an avid listener and that you're here with us doing some mapping today. We're talking about ticks and Tourette's, such an important topic. Can you share with us, Piper, how you define the difference between ticks and Tourette's? Yeah, absolutely. So ticks are, or otherwise known as a muscle twitch, are common. They're really common occurrence in children. The American Academy of Pediatrics estimates that 20% of children actually suffer from tics. And tics can range from anywhere to vocal and motor, which is like hand movements, making noises with their throat, uh, simple or complex, meaning they do one or maybe they do many. They do a vocal tic and a motor tic. But Tourette's is really diagnosed after they've had these complex tics going on for more than a year. And tics can like come and go, right? I've seen many children over the years and even my own kid like short time tics and then they go away. Yeah, so that's really what's known as a transient tick, and that's mm. actually what my son was diagnosed with. But yes, they can come and go. They wax and wane, which means sometimes they're worse, sometimes they're better. But there's definitely a wide range of, of roller coaster when it comes to ticks. And when we think about triggers, whether the ticks are transient or not, well, first of all, are there different triggers we'd be thinking about? You know, when I'm working with clients, I see so many different triggers 
I would really define the main trigger as stress, but mm. we're looking at those different factors of stress, emotional, physical, biological, environmental. And then we're trying to break that down as to what might be that triggering factor. There's usually more than one. It's not usually just one. What I've seen too, and I don't know if this recollection is correct, Piper, but I've seen that when we even think about it in terms of the body's allostatic load, that something coming into the system can work as a trigger, even though alone it might not have been a trigger. It's just that it's piled on, like you said, other underlying triggers. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I see a lot of food sensitivities, you've got some leaky gut, maybe there's toxic environment, there's pesticides in the environment. But you know, we also look at the fact that some kids experience ticks after a strep infection, they end up with something called pandas. And that's really after an infection. And then there's also pans, which there's really not a direct cause to pinpoint at this point, but just one of those underlying stress factors that really leads to that. And those are typically physiological stress factors, or did you said there's also could be psychological environment, but they're all piled up on top of each other. They are. And that's really what I find with clients is it's, they're all piled up. It's definitely true for my own son is that there was just more than one factor. When you're addressing tics in a patient, are you taking a certain approach where you are looking at a certain root cause or a series of root causes? I know here at the Functional Nutrition Alliance, we always say there are three roots to any chronic condition. It's genetic predisposition, it's digestion, and it's inflammation. So we're looking through all of those lens, which are multi-tiered, as we all know. Is there a way that you approach ticks or Tourette's? I actually use a very similar approach when I'm looking at ticks and Tourette's. And so I'm looking for those hidden stressors. And I think that functional lab testing plays a huge key in being able to look under the hood, so to speak, and figure out what's going on deeper in the body. So I love the use of functional lab testing, but absolutely optimizing diet and digestion and really looking at what what my clients are eating and what those triggers might be. So looking, definitely looking deeper in the body. So I want to talk about functional lab testing and which ones you like, but I also believe, and I don't know if you agree with this, Piper, that there's a lot of work we could do prior to certain testing to look at diet and lifestyle and do some necessary clearing and calming and then take that next step. So I don't know what your approach is to that, but I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit more into dietary cleanup before we get to some of the specific tests that you'd look at? Oh yeah. I think that the kids that I'm, that I'm working with and even the adults who've been struggling for a long time are very, very sensitive. They've had a lot of stress going on for a long period of time. And so definitely looking at the diet, getting rid of those non-negotiables, the gluten and the dairy, really focusing on nutrient dense foods, mm -hmm. clean meats and colorful fruits and vegetables and getting rid of the processed sugary junk. And I find that so many people just have no idea about what a healthy meal and a healthy diet looks like. Yeah, that's so important. And then there's things like detoxification just through sleep and poop. I find so many people aren't really eliminating properly or sleeping properly. And we bypass that 
without recognizing what a toxic effect that has on the body system. It really does. Um, so many people who are just chronically constipated and those toxins are getting recycled through our body, through our liver, through our detoxification pathways. And when you can't poop, it definitely plays a big role in the stress that's impacting your body. So why does that manifest as a tick? You know, it's really different for everybody where some people might end up with an autoimmune disease. This systemic inflammation affects the microglia cells of the brain, which is the brain's immune system. And when we have that systemic long-term inflammation, it really seems to impact the brain. And it's just one of those symptoms that pops up, especially among children. And difference with Tourette's there in terms of the physiological underpinnings? I think with Tourette's, it's just that it's been going on so long. It doesn't really come and go. It's very pretty constant, but there still are those same kind of underpinning, those same triggers that we're really looking for and analyzing. What can we do to clean up the diet? What can we do to make sure they're getting more nutrients and what kind of other factors are going on in and around their bodies? So I want to get to the emotional component as well. But before we do, let's go back to those labs since we're talking about the physiological impact and kind of that central part of the matrix, the soup. What functional labs would you be turning to, Piper, to give you some added clues? If I could have every single, <laughs> person, have every single person do these tests, one would be nutrigenomics. I am a huge nutrigenomics nerd. I really feel that knowing your blueprint is key. Mm -hmm. Epigenetic factors matter, but if you know what you need to remove and reinforce based on your genes, that is a huge pillar for me. I love to look at stool. I think so many people have things going on in their gut that they don't know they're there. They don't know they have these underlying infections. So for me, looking at gut is really a big factor. So stool pathogens, organic acids, um, and of course, food sensitivities. I think even though we're cleaning out the diet, some people are just sensitive to things that you can never really pinpoint. And if you do that food sensitivity testing, it's going to give you a really good idea of how to create a really personalized diet. So when you are looking at these results for this population that you're working with, are there common first nutrients that you see are regularly deficient? I see a lot of deficiency in folate and B12. Mm -hmm. um, I see a lot of them need magnesium. A lot of them need B6. They're just not digesting very well. That's mm -hmm. going to make a huge difference. So those are really some of the top things that I'm seeing a lot of vitamin D deficiency. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. And I would imagine that magnesium, potentially even zinc. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And what about when you're looking at organic acids or stools? Are there, are there more common pathogens that you're seeing associated with ticks and Tourette's? Yeah. You know, I love organic acids because we can really look at things like uh, mycotoxins and mold. And so I do see a lot of clients who have this overabundance of aspergillus and, and other mold toxins. As far as stool, I actually see a lot of people pop up with C. diff. That mm -hmm. seems to wow. be one of the big inflammatory issues in the gut and, and overgrowth is the C. diff. 
So let's head over to the right side of the matrix and just think about, first of all, that kind of stress and resilience, which I'm going to think about first through the lens of the emotional component, because of course, anybody who has tics and even more so Tourette's is going to experience an emotional impact from the inability to control themselves. How do you see that playing out in the added stress that that uh, social impact really has on the individual? You know, that's a really big factor. I see tons of children feel very overwhelmed and anxious, but not just the children, the parents. I see so many parents who they feel like they're lost in an emotional hurricane. They are, they want to help their child so bad and they feel like they just cannot find answers and they can't help their child control it. So the emotional stress is a huge factor. And when you apply the fact that some of these kids are going to school and there's bullies and they, you know, make fun of them, it really does have an impact. So stress and working on stress reduction is a huge part of the protocols I use with my clients. And what does that look like for kiddos? You know, for kiddos, we work on all sorts of things. One of the things I love to work on with children is really just focusing on breathing. We don't focus on the fact that we breathe. It's just something we do naturally. But to get them into that rest and digest state by teaching them really good breathing techniques really helps them to get in that calm mode. Yeah, I found the same. And I often will see just by looking at regular old serum labs with some of these kids that they do have low CO2 and that just uh, we can make a shift there by working on their breathing. There's some even fun apps for kids where you can kind of pick your mood and how you're going to meditate and breathe. I've found some good resources. Any that you've worked with or are you really teaching them to just stop and breathe? I do teach them to stop and breathe, but I love things like heart math. Mm -hmm. I think they've got some fun kid games and when you can hook them up to the little heart math gadgets and they can see the results, it's kind of like a video game. It's fun for them. Absolutely. I love that. What are you seeing as supportive in the home environment in terms of relationships and how siblings support other children? Is there some way to talk to families about what that child may be experiencing? I'm imagining, like you said, parents are stressed out, kids are picking up on that parental stress, and that kind of feeds the stress cycle. Yeah, you know, I really encourage families to talk about it, talk about the symptoms, talk about what is going on, talk about the changes that need to happen in the household as a family, because I really feel you can't just make changes for one child. So it's true. really about that family support. But I also feel like it's about helping those ch- other children get individual attention because mom and dad are spending so much time with this child that's struggling with their diagnosis that the other kids kind of feel left out. So you know, taking that time, you know, make it a date night, go out to lunch, go out to dinner, go to the park for a play date, but taking that extra time to focus on their other children and even taking that time to focus on themselves because mom and dad get super stressed out. Yeah. When we can't fix things as parents, it is very stressful. We want to pick fix things and we also want to kind of pave the way to the easiest life possible for our children and anything that's happening to them when it's not that red carpet. It's just so stressful. It really is. And my heart goes out to all of these parents because I've been in their shoes and it's, you know, we really relate and my story resonates with them as being able to support them on a whole different level. 
So let's talk a little bit about sleep. <laughs> you mentioned that there were some deficiencies that were pretty common. Magnesium B6, those are, of course, going to help even with sleep and relaxation. Are you incorporating sleep as part of your protocol for addressing ticks and Tourette's? It really is important because a lot of kids, most kids do not tick in their sleep. So for them mm. to be able to have that regeneration as they sleep and get that rest is really important. So keeping them on a schedule where they're going to go to bed and get up at the same time every day and every night, maybe taking a relaxing Epsom salts bath before bed, yep, um, love that. focusing on, on how they can calm the body and really get that rest and regeneration. So sleep is really important and keeping that schedule matters. I was just listening to a podcast with Emily Nagoski, where she talks about completing the stress cycle by getting some physical movement in place, right? We go into this stress response and where do we move? And I'm wondering where exercise or movement has a role for kids who are ticking. It really does. Plenty of physical activity helps to support their detoxification mm. It helps them to create more neurotransmitters. So it's important for them to get out and play outside, ride their bike, whatever it is, activity they're going to do, play a sport for at least half an hour a day, but get out there and get that physical activity so we can get that good detox going on. So it really is a full body approach that you're taking. You're looking under the hood. You're looking at the story on the left. What happened? Where are the triggers? You're looking at the entirety of the soup. How do we address it? And you're looking at the skills. What are all the things we need to do? And it's a really functional approach to addressing an issue that I know that when I was working with kids with ticks and Tourette's Piper, and this was, you know, maybe a decade ago, there was very little in the functional realm discussed about this. And I was seeing great results, which it sounds like you're having as well. I am. And you know, that really has not changed. There is not a lot of information out there for parents. And when I really started to dig in and make this my focus, I was shocked and blown away by how many parents are out there? Our story was not unique. And there is a lot of people out there who need that functional support because a lot of the other methods are just are not working for them. Yeah, so important, Piper. I really appreciate the work you do. Anything else you wish clinicians knew in working with children with tics or Tourette's diagnoses? Parents want to be heard. They want you to look deeper. Parents are begging for functional testing with, with their children. And nobody is really able to provide that. And then providing them with tools and resources to help stimulate balance in the body and guide them. And my goal is really to help my clients by holding their hands and walking them through this whole process. Thank you so much, Piper. I really appreciate all your wisdom today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. The 15 Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog.
The 15-Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified by email each week about our podcast releases, please head over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Also, we'd love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and who you'd like to hear next on the podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. 